That is indeed one of my favorite songs. Uh, even if. Even if. Uh, even if what? Well, even if anything. No, no matter what. doesn't matter. Whether it goes up or down, sideways, good or bad. Uh, even, even if it don't go the way I think that it should. You're, you're in control, Lord. You are God. And uh, I submit and surrender my will to yours. Whatever you say, I'm fine with that. Well, God bless you for being here this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, I remember uh, learning some of these verses out of Luke chapter 9 uh, when I went through a uh, um, Bible study with Glenn Harrigal. Uh, boy, I guess that's been 30 years ago. Yeah, 20, 28, 29 years ago any, anyway. And um, they, they've meant something special to me uh, ever since then. And uh, built, a, built a couple of three sermons, uh, different sermons out of, out of this text. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 27. And uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning are conditions. The conditions of following Christ. Did you know following Christ was conditional? Salvation is pretty much unconditional. Uh, It's all conditioned on what Jesus did, not on what you do. But once we are saved, once we have bent the knee and bowed the head and surrendered our hearts and our lives and everything that we are to everything that He is, what does it take for us to live the life? What does it take for us to walk the walk? Uh, he's going to be a preacher one day, amen. I can, I can feel that coming. What does it take for us to be able not to just talk the talk, but to walk the walk, to, to live the life that God has, uh, has called us to live? Uh, you look at these verses in chapter, 20, um, chapter 9 and verse 23, and uh, we'll look at some of the conditions that He laid out for us to be able to follow Him, to walk with Him. Verse 23 says this, And He he said unto them all, I I like that, He didn't leave anybody out. Everybody that was under the sound of His voice, uh, He was talking to them. Whether they were lost or saved, you know, really didn't matter. Why? Because He commands us to preach to every creature under heaven. We are supposed to share uh, the truth of God's Word with every man, woman, boy, and girl that comes across our path. I, I love the rule that Nub Martin had. If you got within three foot of him, he was going to ask you about Jesus Christ. If you stayed, if you got within three foot and you stayed within like a minute, I forget what his time limit was, he had a restriction of distance and a time. But if you got within that distance and you stayed that amount of time, he had made a promise to God that he was going to tell you about Jesus Christ. Would to God that some of us would hold on to that, amen? And just make a determination that we are going to do what God has called us to do, and that is to share the Word of God with the people around us. And Christ, of course, was the greatest example of that. And He said to all of them, if any man will come after Me. I like that. If any man will, whosoever will. I think we talked a little bit about that this morning in Sunday school for almost an hour and a half, it seems like. I ran completely out of breath on two or three occasions during that conversation. 
But certainly, it's saying the exact same. Jesus Christ is saying the exact same thing this morning in this text. If any man will. Well, that's a big if. And the only way that he will is if God does the work in his heart and illuminates his mind, regenerates his soul, and draws him to himself. And then will a man come after him as far as salvation goes. But now what about after salvation? What about all of us who have named the name of Christ, bent the knee, bowed the head, surrendered our hearts and our lives, and everything that we are to everything that He is, and now we are supposed to take up our cross. As a matter of fact, these are the verses that we're fixing to read. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So once I am a Christian, how is it that I am supposed to follow Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked again. In verse uh, 23 of Luke 9, you look at it again, we'll start over. And He said unto them all, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, every day, and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for My sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself. In another verse, in another book, uh, it says, what shall it uh, profit a man though he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So, you know, primarily what we're talking about here is salvation. But since, you know, I understand there are a lot of people here that are saved. And, and if you're anything like me, we're not following as closely as we should. So this, this sermon can be split in two different directions for the lost and for the saved. But it says here again, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged? Or what shall a man gain uh, if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Uh, boy, what, what good is it if I as a pastor stand behind this pulpit and I preach the Word of God to everybody under the sound of my voice, and yet I myself do not keep the Word of God and become a castaway. Do you understand what that word castaway means? That, that doesn't mean somebody that was saved gets cast away from their salvation. They fall from grace. They had grace and fall from grace and they no longer have the grace that they had. No, falling from grace means that you fall from the possibility of getting grace. Being a castaway means not that you were a child of God and now God cast you away, but that in your mind and in your heart you thought you were something that you were not. And ultimately you become a castaway because you are revealed and not by what you say, but by what... You do. And it says again in verse 25, For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or become cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and in the holy angels. Now verse 27 says, but I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. May the Lord add His blessings to the reading of His Word. Here Jesus lays down conditions for service for those who would follow Him. How, how is it 
that, that I serve the Lord once I am saved? How is it that I come to the Lord and surrender my life for service if I am lost? Well, in verse 23, it gives the obvious answer. And it says, if any man will deny himself. The first standard for a Christian to be a servant is to deny ourselves. What, what does that mean? To deny ourselves. Peter once denied the Lord. Do you remember that? I talk about that all the time. About how he told the Lord that I love you more than anybody else. And when the tough gets going, everybody else is going to go. But not me. I love you better. I love you stronger. I love you more completely. And I'll go to the cross with you. I'll die with you. And, and he says, I'll deny myself. But what did he wind up doing? He wound up denying the Lord. Well, certainly where Jesus, you know, this, this verse says a man must deny himself. He doesn't mean to deny himself the way that that Peter denied the Lord. He says, I don't even know. I don't even know him. We can't tell other people. I don't even know myself. That would be ludicrous. But what it really does mean is uh, to say, I, I don't know my heart. I don't know myself the way that I should. And ultimately, uh, I know myself better than I want to. And now I'm going to say no to myself. Not that I don't know myself, but I'm going to say no to myself, to my own flesh, to my own nature, to the things of the heart that the heart desires of the sinfulness, wickedness of the world. You know the three enemies of Christ, this godless system, um, the devil, and of course our old nature. And it's the devil in this godless system that uses our old nature against us. And ultimately, we've got to deny ourselves and say, no, I am not going to be the person that I used to be. I'm not even going to be the person that the old nature on the inside of me rises up every once in a while. Oh, he's not as bad, not as powerful, not as strong as he used to be. But brother, don't ever think that he's still not alive. He's very much alive and very much active on the inside of our hearts and on the inside of our minds. And the Lord Jesus Christ knows that. And when He spoke to everybody that was under the sound of His voice, the very first thing that He said was, I want you to realize that your old nature is still alive on the inside of you. And if a man's going to come after Me, if he's going to follow Me, if he's going to keep My commandments, if he's going to do the things that the Word of God teaches and commands him to do, then he has got to deny himself. To say no to himself. Boy, I'll tell you what. We're raised in a world right now. Parents don't know how to say no to their children. Uh, I got a couple of grandkids sitting there. Do, does your mama say no to y'all? What? Oh yeah. Amen. She better. And my son better too. Your daddy better. And if he don't, you let me know. And I'll get a hold of him. Alright? But we're living in a world right now where most parents want to be their children's best friend rather than their parent. And to be honest with you, we don't want to say no to our kids because we want to be friends with them rather than being an example to them. The best example that you can be to your children is not only to tell them no every once in a while to some of the things that they want, but to tell yourself no in front of them. To let them see you reigning in your flesh and living a life that is subservient under the instruction and obedience of not only the Word of God, but the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. 
Letting them hear you pray over your meals. Letting them see you read the Word of God. Letting them see you take them to church. I know a lot of parents that stick their kids on a bus and send them to church. A lot, of, a lot of parents will stick their kids on a bus and send them to school, but won't even stick them on a bus to send them to church. Oh, I want them to grow up and have the choice as to whether they want to believe or not. Why? Why are you going to make them go to school, but not make them go to church? That doesn't make sense to me. You see, we have got to deny ourselves, bring ourselves under the direction of the Holy Spirit and under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and under the Word of God. Study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, hiding it in our heart, that we might not sin against God, that we might not only live our lives in a way that is a good example to our children, but live our lives in a way that is God-honoring in our own homes, in our own families. Uh, If we're to follow Christ. You know, I love that verse. I quote it on. For I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now listen, that's not... We, we let that roll off of our tongues just so easily. I, I get afraid sometimes of myself for quoting verses too fast, too quick. Just by... Blah, 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 and all it becomes is just like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And nobody really thinks about what it's saying. My friend, I want you to realize that verse is important. For I am crucified. Oh, really? Who crucified you? I crucified myself. Paul says I die daily. Now, I've got to crucify myself or I'm crucified with Christ. When Christ died, I died. Who brings me to that cross of death? Myself. I've got to bring myself under subjection. I've got to deny myself and put some restrictions, some guidelines. Well, what are the restrictions? What are the guidelines? It's written between the pages of the Bible, between the covers of the Bible. The Word of God is the guidelines that we need to bring to our homes, our family, our children, but ultimately to ourselves. The only one that's going to rein you in. Listen, I know God can do it. But God wants you to do it. If any man will come to me, he must deny himself. Then secondly, in verse 23, he goes on to say this. uh, He said unto them all, if any man will come unto me or come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now I I just mentioned that. For I'm crucified with Christ. What is the cross? Jesus knew... Very well. What what a crucifixion meant. Even when he was 11 years old. Back when he was 11 years old, uh, there was a a, a guy named Judas, and it's not the same Judas that that kissed him, you know, kissed the door of heaven and wound up going to hell. Not Judas Iscariot, but this was uh, called Judas the Galilean. And he led a rebellion uh, against Rome back in the day. It'd be like, you know, I put something out this morning. Uh, I don't know how many of you read my Facebook thing this morning, but uh, it talked about uh, the American Revolution, and it it really tells a story about up in uh, a northern state. Uh, It made it sound like a news program that was on the radio or television today about there was an uprising between the uh, militia uh, of of people uh, against 
you know, the, the military, the governor of the state had called the military in because of the people and they had banned some arms and that there was a shot fired and wound up being, you know, a couple of hundred people wounded and 72 people killed. And it goes on with the news story for on and on and on and on. And at the end, uh, it reveals that the story is about the American Revolution and that if we don't remember, if we don't study history, then we're bound to repeat it uh, in our own nation. We'll see that happen again. And of course, uh, this took place in Jesus' day when He was 11 years old. But I guarantee you that uh, it's still taking place. And here's what, what happened with Judas the Galilean. He led that rebellion against Rome. 2,000 of the rebels were crucified on crosses which were set in lines along the side of the road that they might be a warning to other people who were tempted to rebel against the nation of Rome. Rome crucified all who dared to oppose it. To take up our cross means to be prepared to do the same thing for the loyalty of Jesus Christ. But we're talking about not crucifying those that rebelled against Christ but crucifying this person that rebels against Christ. You see, I, I rebel again. My old nature, my old flesh rises up every day in rebellion against the Lord. And if I'm going to bring myself into submission to the Lordship, one of the conditions of following Christ is that I must die daily that I must crucify the flesh every day when I wake up in the morning. Of course, to take up our cross means to be prepared to crucify not others, but ourselves for the glory and honor of God. The cross is an instrument of death. That's what the cross We wear crosses around our necks and we have them, you know, hanging on our walls and in the parking lot and we've got, you know, crosses everywhere. But nobody really thinks that, well, that's just like, you know, tying a 45 automatic around your neck and, and uh, wearing it around to let people see, you know, what, what your uh, brother over in Vietnam got shot with and killed. Well, that cross is an instrument of death that our brother, Jesus Christ, hung and died on, but it's also an instrument of death that we are to bring ourselves to on a daily basis that we might die to sin in our hearts, in our homes, in our families. That we might die and that daily, every day. Well, thirdly, a man must deny himself. A man must take up his cross. But you look at verse 24 and it tells us that, that, that we've got to spend our life for Christ, rather than hoarding our life for ourselves. See, we, we want to give as little as we can get away with to the Lord. You know, i got to go to church on Sunday, but do I really have to come back on Sunday night? How, well, okay, I'll come every once in a while on Sunday night, but do I really, is it, I mean, does God expect me to show up on a Wednesday? Where's that in the Bible? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It says this in the Old Testament. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Forsake not. That's not, a, that's not optional. That's not a request. That's a commandment. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. As you see the day approaching. What day approaching? The day of judgment. 
The day that you're going to stand before God and give an account of your life. The day that you're going to answer to the Lord for every minute, every thought, every deed that you've done. Well, all of that's under the blood of Christ and I still get to go to heaven, so it's okay, right? It's not. It's not. Because it really exposes our heart, who we really are, that we don't love Him the way we say, oh, I love Him. Well, love is what you do, not what you say. Love is what you, not what you feel. It is a, it's an action. And what this is saying in verse 24 and verse 25 is this, for whosoever will save his life for himself. You see, what we're doing is, is saving our lives or, or setting it apart for our entertainment, for our benefit, for what we want to do. Well, I don't really want to go to church on Sunday morning, but I do. See, I'm sacrificing myself. There, well, if you really don't want to, go to Walmart. Don't drop your dollar in the plate. Go to Walmart, buy your wife a hat. Dress. At least you'll get something out of it. Amen? You ain't getting nothing out of dropping a dollar in a plate that you grudgingly do or coming to church on a Sunday morning just because you feel like, well, I've got to. No, you don't. You don't got to. Go home. Ever hear a preacher tell you that from behind a pulpit? <laughs> but you might as well. I'm just going to be honest with you. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And if you love the Lord, then you want to be faithful to Him. You want to keep His Word, not because, well, I got to, but because you love Him. And if you don't love Him, you might as well go buy your wife a hat or a dress. Go out on the lake and go fishing and uh, enjoy your day because there's days coming that are not going to be quite so enjoyable. You look at what it says in verse 24, for whosoever will save his life will lose it, but whosoever will sacrifice his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Well, I like that. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and enjoy everything that this life has to offer, and then in the very end, you lose your very soul? You lose yourself. Become a castaway. The whole gamut of the world's standards. You see, the world has a standard. And I'm just saying that they got to be changed if they're going to line up with the Word of God. The questions are not how much can I get, but how much can I give? You see, the world is interested in what it can get. And we work and we do this and we do that. We do everything in order that we might heap it upon. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. That's the world's standards. But my friend, our standards as a Christian, we should stand out like a pig in a parachute. We should be different, completely different than the world. It's not... How much can I give, but what can I give? Not what's the safe thing to do for me, my family, my business. My... No, it's not what's the safe thing to do, but what's the right thing? You see, the right thing to do. Not, not what's the least I can get by with, but what is the most that I can do for somebody else. It's not putting self first, others second, and God somewhere down the line. It is putting God 
first in our hearts, our homes, our families, and our lives. Everything that we are for everything that He is. The Christian has to realize that He has given life not to keep for Himself, not to spend on Himself or even His wife and His children and His grandchildren, but to spend on others ahead of self and then ultimately not to fan the flames of the fire of our life for ourselves, but to burn it out for the glory and honor of God. To spend and to be spent for His glory, for His righteousness. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. Lastly, fourthly, in verse 26, not only to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Him, to spend our lives for the glory and honor of God, not for the benefit of ourselves. But loyalty to Jesus Christ will have its rewards. Do you understand that? See, we we go about trying to gain the rewards of this life for ourselves when we don't realize that spending ourselves has the greatest rewards that we could ever hope for. You look at verse 26 and you see not only the rewards that spending ourselves for Christ will bring, but also the punishment that disloyalty brings. It says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of Me and of My words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when He shall come in His own glory and in His Father's and that glory of the holy angels. You see, when we spend our lives, if we're true to Him in time, here in this life, then He's going to be true to us in eternity, in the next life. If we seek to follow Him in this world, then the next He will point to us as one of His children. And He'll say, well done, now good and faithful servant. But if we by our lives that we live disown Him in this life, oh, we would never say it out of our lips. We, we, we would never tell somebody else that I, I'm not a Christian. And by the way, just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You do understand the difference between those two things. Salvation makes us a child of God. Christian makes us like our Savior. Christian, little Christ, the little anointed ones that is living the life that is pleasing to God the Father. That is a Christian. A child of God is somebody that has received Him as Lord and Savior by the glory of God, by the grace of God. But that doesn't mean that we have to be obedient and faithful to Him the way that we, we should. If we ask To follow Him in this world, He's going to uh, obviously give us the power and the ability to do what it is that we ask. And He'll own us in the next life. You know, I I like verse 27. I, I struggled with that verse for a long time. Verse 27 says this, But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death. Whoa. Oh, till they see the kingdom of God. Does that mean that John, the Apostle John, still wandering around somewhere? No. 
So some people have gotten that out of that verse. I don't understand how. Maybe it meant that that, uh, the Lord was going to die and go to heaven and come back and that the kingdom of God was going to, you know, come take up residence on earth before somebody on earth there, I mean, somebody standing there would die. And that means, well, it hasn't happened yet, so John's got to be right, running around somewhere. Somebody's got to be, right? That was standing there? No. That's not what that's saying at all. What it says is, you know, I, I, I like that verse, John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? Let that roll off my tongue really quick. But Nicodemus had asked him, he says, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb the second time and be born again? And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Do you know you enter into the kingdom of God here? Not when you die somewhere in the you know apple pie in the sky when I die. No, I don't. I'll go to heaven then. But see, I entered into the kingdom of God by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ. Here Jesus, before His death, is saying there are some people here, some people that are here that will not see the kingdom of God before they die. You know what? That's still true here today. There are some people probably in this room that will not see the kingdom of God before they die. Wouldn't that be a shame after hearing a message like this? That God gave up His Son, shed His blood, died, What's keeping you from salvation? What's keeping you from seeing the kingdom of God? Is it a love for the flesh? Is it a love for sin? Is it a love for the world? Is it a lack of of desire to surrender and submit your life completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? There are a lot of people who believe that they they have eternal life and that they're going to heaven. And and they believe in Jesus. They believe in God. They believe in heaven. They believe the Bible. Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well, but the devil also believes and trembles. And he is not going to heaven. The only ones that are going to heaven are those that surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you understand it's not a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's not knowing the truth. It's loving the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Somebody put on uh, one of the pages, groups of uh, Facebook. It's called The Christian Man, and I'm uh, a member of it. He says, those who hate to hear the truth hate the truth. Do you understand? If you hate to hear the truth, the reason that you hate to hear the truth is because you actually hate the truth. And the truth is that no man cometh to the Father but by me. And you only come to the Father through Christ by submission of yourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You so much for Your love, for Your mercy. God, how I pray that before this generation passes away, that they'll see the Kingdom of God. God, they'll see it not with their minds or their eyes, but God, with their hearts. God, that they'll submit and surrender every ounce, every inch, every fiber of their being to the Lordship 
of Jesus Christ, that they'll bring themselves into submission to your words. Help me, God, to be more submissive to your word than I've ever been in the past. That's my heart's desire, God. But my flesh is weak. God, strengthen me. Help me, God, to be the person, the father, the husband, the grandfather, the pastor, the chaplain, Lord, that you created, that you've called me to be. Root out the resistance. Root out the rebellion that's in my heart. Expose it, God, that I might see it clearly. Turn away from it. God will give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.